Well, good morning, Valley family. Great to see everybody uh, here today. Susie and I have been away for uh, about almost two weeks or something like that, uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I walked in this morning. Some of the Dream Teamers said to me, they were like, Dr. Greg, you looking like you're looking. I, I was like, what? What does that mean? You're looking like you're looking. And, uh, and I was like, have I ever looked a way that I didn't look before? And they're like, no, you're looking like you're looking. I guess what it is is they've never seen me refreshed is what it amounts to. But uh, anyway, appreciate it. Just turn to the person next to you right now and say, you're looking like you're looking. And if you're joining us on our online campus, it just doesn't work unless someone's next to you. But you can do that as well. Thank you for joining us on our online campus. Uh, actually, this time, last week, Susie and I were leaving Myrtle Beach. We had to be out of the Airbnb at 10 o'clock. So we were on the online campus till 9.55. And I was literally sitting there. And then I was like, click go. Uh, and we missed the very last bit of the service. But so grateful uh, for our tech team that just makes that possible. And now that we're live streaming as well, just literally people uh, joining us all over the nation. It's pretty amazing. Uh, Pastor Stephen did a great job. I knew he would. I never had any doubts about that uh, at all. While we're in this series called Walking Away from Jesus, uh, this is actually week number seven. It's going to take us right through uh, Labor Day weekend. I want to invite you back next week. Uh, next week is going to be Communion Sunday, and we're going to look at one of the most controversial statements that Jesus ever made. It was so controversial, we'll, we'll see next week, it was so controversial that it literally said because of what he said, many people turned their back on him and would follow him no longer. Many people. And so you talk about walking away from Jesus, there were a lot that in his lifetime heard what he said like, no, we're not doing that anymore. Turned their back on Jesus and followed him no longer. But that'll be next week, and we'll be celebrating communion together. But today I want to talk about the timing of Jesus. The timing of Jesus. Anyone here, I'm just asking kind of for a show of hands so I know who I'm talking to. Anyone here still, you know, praying for something? God, I need you to do this. I need you to come through. And you're just still waiting. Anyone here just waiting on the timing of Jesus? When is it going to happen? Okay, I'm glad I'm not just talking to myself this morning. But I want to look at a a rather long passage of Scripture and just kind of read through it because the the context is so important. Uh, And it's in Mark chapter 5. And and, uh, as I said, just follow along. Uh, My notes are on our website, valleyny.cc, and uh, and you'll be able to just keep up with with what we're talking about here. Because I tried to like, is there a shorter way I could do this? I think we need to kind of read this whole thing together. But before I do, I just want to, uh, Josh, could you put that uh, Ask the Doctor uh, up again? Okay, so that's for our Zillennials meeting on Wednesday night. I saw some people pull out their phones to take a picture of that number. Uh, if you'll text me your questions, I'll answer your questions live at our Zillennials meeting. So that's from age 18, 39. Any question you have, any question you have, just text it to it and I'll answer it. If you want to know what my favorite color is, I'll let you know that. Uh, you know, at the Zillennials meeting, whatever it is, any topic, any issue, I'll do the best that I can with that. So you can just take a picture of that between now and Tuesday night. We'll take that offline. That number will come offline on Tuesday night. So I'll have Wednesday to work on uh, those answers to to some of the questions. No matter what the uh, topic is, going to do my best. So that's Ask the Doctor for our Zillennials meeting starting at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. Okay, so let's go to Mark chapter 5. 
Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. Are you ready? Here we go. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now let's just stop right there so you understand. Jairus is a leader in the synagogue in the area. So what that means is he's a man of great influence, Great leadership. A lot of people are looking at him. In other words, could I put it this way? Uh, he, he's kind of like a high pedigree. Very influential, very powerful leader in the synagogue, Jairus. And this very influential, powerful leader in the synagogue comes up to Jesus and falls at his feet. And he pleaded earnestly with him. That's Jesus. And this is what he said. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And so Jesus went with him. Now, now I, I think the key to this whole story is this. From what perspective do we read this story? Let, let me just invite you to read this story from the perspective of Jairus. Your child is dying. Your child is about to die. And just keep in mind, as we're talking about the timing of Jesus, that, that your child is on death's door. And, and you've seen Jesus feed 5,000. You, you, you've heard about the miracle as he cast out a legion of demons. You've, you've heard about all these things. And, and he's calmed the storms as well. And now you say, will you come and just touch my daughter? She's dying. It's the only hope that you have left. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject, subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she got worse. For 12 years, this woman suffered. And it's interesting that it says, not only for the, the, the issue of bleeding that she had, but she suffered even more under the hands of physicians. It was getting worse and worse and worse. She had a chronic problem. For 12 years, she was looking for just a little bit of relief. For 12 years, day and night, night and day, for 12 years. She just got worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once... Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd, and he asked, who touched my clothes? You see, the people are crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing that what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter... Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. Now hold on just a minute. Remember, you're Jairus. Your daughter's about to die. 
And Jesus stops on the way and interviews people in the crowd. Who was the one that touched my robe? Can you just imagine the panic? Can you just imagine the anxiety for a minute? Your daughter is on death's door. You don't even know. You left her maybe a day ago to get to where Jesus was. You don't even know the latest update. They're not texting you minute by minute. You have no idea what's going on. And Jesus stops. And he goes, who touched me? And the disciples are like, what is going on? Everyone's touching. He's like, no, no, no. Someone touched me in a different way. This woman with the, the issue of bleeding that, that for 12 years had been suffering. And the reality was in that culture, uh, in the biblical times there, she had no right. It was actually against the, the purity laws for her to even be in a crowd, much less touch a rabbi. She was used to being pushed out on the outside, on the, the outskirts, the marginalized. No one would talk to her. No one would, would, would engage her at all. And she gets the courage up to touch just the hem of it. She was trying to do this like in incognito, under the radar. It doesn't even say she touched his hand, didn't touch his shoulder, just touched his robe. And she's like, wait a minute, what's going on? And Jairus is going, are you kidding me right now? Are you, are you kidding me? Can, can you relate to the desperation? 12 years she's been suffering, but, but his daughter's going to die. 12 years, you can wait another hour, sweetheart. My daughter's going to go. And I won't be able to get her back. Can anyone relate to the fact that God doesn't move when we want him to? Twelve years, she was looking for an answer. Jairus was just, all he knew was, I just need Jesus to get to my daughter. It's the only hope I have left. And it seems like, much like your life and my life, Jesus is just taking his old sweet time. Just taking his time, interviewing the crowd. And he says to the woman who was healed, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? She's gone. What are you feeling right now as a parent? What are you going, what are you going through? You pinned all your trust, all your hope on this miracle worker, Jesus. And he just took his time. And now your daughter's gone. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. This is one of those instances, like it's so crazy. You think about the other disciples like Bartholomew. <laughs> like, Bart, you stay here, you can't go with us. 
Jesus just takes his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, and says to the rest of the disciples, you guys just stay behind. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion, the people crying and wailing loudly. And he went in and said to them, why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. No one believed it. Obviously, the child was not asleep. The child was dead. But, but Jesus knew something greater than anyone else knew. Jesus was working on something much, much bigger than anyone else could realize. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with, her, with him, Peter, James, and John, and they went into where the child was. And he took her by the hand and said, Talitha which means little girl I say to you get up and immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around she was 12 years old isn't it interesting same age 12 years as the woman had the issue of blood for 12 years at this they were completely astonished and he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and he told them to give her something to eat. Man, there, there's an awful lot going on in this story. I, I love the details. I, I love that Jesus is like, can someone get her some food? I mean, she's hungry. You know? Jesus is just so practical. He's so practical in my life. He's so practical in your life. There's a few things I just, I, I, I just kind of want to, because this, this, this story almost like preaches itself. I just want to hit on a few points and just we'll be done and then, then we'll pray and we'll be, we'll, we'll be heading home. First of all, just think about the delays in this story. Think about the delays in this story. And then think about the delays in your life and my life that we encounter with Jesus. In verse 30, it says, uh, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from, from him when the woman touched his garment. This is the first time that the word uh, dynamus, where we get uh, the Greek word dynamus, where we get our word dynamite from, uh, is used in the book of Mark. And, and think about this. People are just pushing up against him. Obviously, he's in a big crowd. But when this woman just touches the clothes he's wearing, he feels like dynamite go out from him. Power. People are bumping into him, absolutely nothing. But when she bumps into him, when she reaches out to touch his, his garment, all of a sudden, what happened? It was like a release of dynamite. A release of, of the power of God. And, and in essence, he experiences a little bit of, could I put it this way? Just, 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 just walk with me here now. He, he, he experiences a little bit of weakness. His power and his strength, something has been pulled from it for just a moment. And he says, who did that? Who did that? Because something was released. Power went out from him. He, he knows there's been a healing. He stops everything. He stops the crowd. He stops the conversation. And he stops the entourage. And he stops the emergency truck, the ambulance that in essence is going with the lights flashing and, and the horn and all of those things. And he says, hold on, uh, which one of you touched me? Let me interview the crowd. Remember, you're Jairus. He just stopped the ambulance. 
to say, let me just talk to people in the crowd for a minute. And we don't have any idea how long it was because, again, this woman, to even be out in the crowd with this issue, she was in major, major trouble. That's why she was terrified. She thought, I'll just touch his garment. I'll be healed. Nobody will ever be the wiser. And Jesus like, whoop, hold up, time out. Who did that? Major delay. Major delay. And Jairus is going, are you serious? My little girl is on the doorstep of death. Don't you, Jesus, don't you love me? How can you say you love me and you're delaying answering my prayer? How can you say that you love me and you're not doing what I'm telling you to do when I tell you you better do it right now? That's what's happening in this story. That, that's what's happening in this moment. Why aren't you doing what I told you to do, Jesus? When I told you to do it. Think about it. How much, uh, how much of a God would he be if he just did what we told him to do. Like, he's God. We're not. Jairus says, I want it now. I want it this way. And I'm not willing to wait. And Jesus is not hurried at all. That's why he's God. And I'm not. Listen, there are things I've been praying for for decades. For us, for our church, for me. And Jesus is not in a hurry. He hears. I'm going to keep on praying, keep on asking, but it never speeds the timetable up. Jesus' timing is completely different than your timing and my timing. That's one of the most important things we need to realize here. Because Jesus, while we're waiting, he's working. We're so limited. We think because we can't see it, he's not doing anything. He's like, no, no, it, just, I, just trust me. Let me talk to some people in the crowd to find out what just happened. So many delays, so many delays in my life and in your life. Think about it, you know, you know, ever go to the emergency room, they have this thing called triage, right? And, and, and so they prioritize the people that are in the most pain, you know, how critical it is. They're, they get in first and those that, that aren't in a tremendous amount of pain, they wait and wait and wait, am I right? And, and so uh, here's, here's a surefire way. You want to get in the emergency, if you're bleeding out your eyeballs, they're going to get you right in there. There's no question about it. But, but if, if, if your nail came off while you were gardening and you're in a lot of pain, you're going to sit there for a long, long time, okay? I, I don't want to make light of this, but, but think about this for just a minute. Jesus could be charged with malpractice. Because this woman was suffering for 12 years, but she was not going to die. But the daughter was going to die. And Jesus paid attention to the chronic illness. He stopped. 
the huge crowd for the chronic illness rather for, than for the influential, powerful leader in the synagogue whose daughter was at death's door. H have you ever felt that way, that, that, that Jesus is committing malpractice? That you see what Jesus is doing in other people's life, and you're like, I have a greater need. What about me? Why did you do that for them? That was, I have so much need in my life, and yet look at how you're blessing them. Look at how you're coming through for them. And I just keep praying and praying and praying. What about me? You are right where Jairus was. Jesus' timing is very, very different than my time and your timing. God's blessing and God's grace almost never seem to operate according to our schedule. Almost never. In other words, God is not a big Santa Claus in the sky <laughs> that we can just make our demands, give our timetables, and he just delivers. That's not who he is. He's like uh, God. Not Santa. Jairus understood that that day. It is not Jesus said, I will not be hurried, but I love you anyway. In essence, what Jesus is saying here is, I love you so much, I'm doing more than you realize. Just keep on waiting, keep on trusting. See, Jairus came to Jesus because he wanted his daughter healed, but Jesus wanted to resurrect his daughter. There's a big difference. And I just have this sneaking suspicion, a lot of things in my life that I'm waiting on, maybe if I could be so bold, a lot of things in your life that you're waiting on, Jesus is like, I'm actually doing something bigger in your life. I love you so much, I'm asking you to wait longer. Trust me. He doesn't say, I'm not going to be in a hurry, but I love you. He goes, I love you so much, I'm not going to be in a hurry. Because I, I, I like to see some things you can't see. I understand some things you don't understand right now. But one day you will, just like Jairus did. He saw things very, very differently when the right time came. God's blessings and God's grace almost never seem to operate according to our schedule. We see Jesus will not, he will never be in a hurry. And as a, re as a result for most of us, Anyone who has a relationship with Jesus, we often feel exactly like Jairus. That it's just delay, it's irrational, it's unconscionable, it is inordinately, wrongly making us wait. There's a couple lessons, I think, that, that delays teach us. The, the first one is this, Jesus is saying... Come to me for life-transforming relationship with me. Don't, don't just come to me. He, he's like, you know, you're just coming to me so that your daughter doesn't die. But I got so much more in store for you. 
Don't, don't just come to me for just my hands, just, just, just what I can do for you in the temporary. Not just to meet a, a, a momentary need and then you go on and you forget about me forever. Jesus is saying, come to me for a life-transforming relationship with me. If you go to Jesus for anything, and I, and I hope that you do, I guarantee you, on the one hand, he will get from you far more than you were expecting to give to him. He'll get a whole lot more. Because what he really wants is not just your need, he wants your life. He, he wants to be the center of your life. He wants to be first above everything and everyone else. You, you, he'll get a whole lot more from you than you thought. But at the same time, he'll give you so much more than you ever could comprehend. That's who he is. That's what he always does. Jesus says, come to me for a life-transforming relationship with me. Second thing I think that we learn from our delays is Jesus always gets and gives far more than you bargain for. Just as I said, he always gets and gives far more than you bargain for. Uh, again, Jairus is just like, hey, Jesus, just, just do this little healing thing and then you can be on your way and everything's cool. We never have to talk to each other again. And he's like, just wait. I've got something more in mind. Jesus always gets and gives far more than you bargain for. Jairus just wanted his daughter healed, but instead she was resurrected. And I think the third thing that delays teach us, lessons that we learn, is Jesus' grace reverses the values of this world. Jesus' grace reverses the values of this world. Think about it for a minute. The woman with the issue of blood, her faith was so small, it was almost superstitious. She, she was like, if I could just get there and kind of like, on the down low, just kind of, whoop, nobody will know anything. There's just kind of this aura around him. No one else thought this, just, just touch him and they'd be healed. No one else just bumped into him like this and was healed. Only this woman. Her, 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 faith, was, her faith was less than Jairus' faith. She didn't say anything. She didn't even make her request known to Jesus. Jairus was a leader in the synagogue. This was a man of power and influence. And Jesus told him, uh, you just wait a minute. Who touched me? See, Jesus' grace always reverses the values of this world. You, you put Jesus in a crowd, guess who he's going to gravitate to? Not the wealthy, not the wise, not the successful, not the healthy. That's not who Jesus is going to hang out with. That's who people in this world are going to hang out with. That's not Jesus. Jesus is going to move to the outskirts. In the crowd, Jesus is going to engage those that no one talks to. Jesus is going to value those that the culture and society say have no value at all. And Jesus is going to give them his time and his attention. That's who he is. Oh, by the way... <laughs> That's who we're supposed to be as his followers. Following Jesus in that way. Jesus' grace reverses the values of the world. A woman that had no business 
being in a crowd that day, had no business touching a rabbi in any way who didn't even tell Jesus, this is what I need for you to do for me. He says to Jairus, hold on a minute, sir. I'll be with you in just a minute. And he talks to this woman. And she's healed. There's so much going on in this story, so much that we can learn that will help us. Jesus is more attracted to the people who are the most messed up and who have messed up the most than those who have it all together. This is why I think the Apostle Paul, as the Holy Spirit was inspiring him to write a letter to the church of Corinth in the Bible, in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Kind of sounds like this woman and Jairus, doesn't it? God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Jesus' grace reverses the values of the world. Delays teach us that God's grace is real and that God's grace is for everyone. That reverses the values of this world. It reverses the values of the world about what beauty really is. What status really is. What power really is. If God looks like he's really doing malpractice in your life, it's because he's doing something massively more than you can possibly comprehend. It's not because he doesn't love you. It's because he loves you more than you can ever wrap your head around. Jesus says, if it looks like I'm doing something that makes no sense, just figure that I have some facts that you don't have. And then the third thing is just really fascinating to me, the whole idea of the weakness of Jesus. The weakness of Jesus, the frailty of Jesus in a sense. Where he says, who touched me? Who Power went out from me. Fascinating when you think about it. Luke says when he makes his way to Jairus' home, Jairus' daughter is indeed dead. She's not asleep. And it says her spirit returned to her. And, and everybody understood in, in, uh, in the, that moment and in the early church as well that, that Jesus understood that she was actually dead. She wasn't just uh, apparently dead. She wasn't asleep she was actually dead. And, and look at what it says. If we just go back to, to Mark chapter 5. It, it says, and he took her by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kumum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Now, now if you just indulge me for a minute, let me just drill a little bit deeper into that. Because this doesn't even scratch the surface of what Jesus said to her. Jesus walks in. And just picture, he, he probably sat down on the bedside next to her. And this translation is pretty good, little girl. But, but, but Talitha is more like, uh, could I put it this way? It's almost like a parent would say, I have three daughters. Susie and I have three daughters. Like, little lady. It's almost like little princess. 
to leave it is almost, it's what a parent would say, it's almost like, honey. Jesus is sitting there, he takes her by the hand, he says, honey. Not little girl. This is like a parental little nickname almost. You know, it's kind of funny, we're experiencing something in the Williamson home right now, uh, we have three French bulldogs, and, and two of them are older, Tybee and Lucy, and uh, we just got a puppy, and we're just, fan- just having so much fun with her. But, but Lucy uh, is kind of like my little girl, and uh, she, she's nine years old, and she's gotten very jumpy. Now that she's older, she's very jumpy. And, and so I used to could just walk in in the morning, she sleeps in a crate, and I could just say, good morning, good morning, and open the crate, everything would be fine. Now if I walk in there, she, she starts, like she goes red zone been going on for a few months and, and realized that she's just she's just gotten real jumpy so I literally now I have to be more gentle and tender waking Lucy up than my wife in the morning and so I have to walk in there and I have to say good morning and I'll hear her kind of move a little bit and I'll say good morning Lucy how are you baby and then I pull back the, the, the little blanket, and she's there, and she's ready to go. But I have to be, like, so gentle, so gentle. That's how Jesus, that, that's what Talitha is. Jesus walks in, he's like, honey, honey. And, and kuum, which means I say to you, get up. Really what he's saying here is, Jesus is saying, of Jesus. So tender, so compassionate, so full, so phenomenal. Why would we ever rush him into anything? Because that's his heart for you. That's his heart for me. And we're stomping our foot. What are you doing? Don't you hear me? Don't you love me? Don't you care? And Jesus is just like, wait. Wait for the perfect time, because I'm working some bigger things out. Wait for the time when I take you by the hand, even in the face of death, the greatest enemy that there is, and I say, honey, rise and shine. It's going to be okay. That's who Jesus is. That's what's going on in this story. Can I just challenge you right now? Don't rush Jesus. Worth the wait. The answer to your prayer is worth the wait. Don't rush him. He's doing things much, much bigger than you can possibly understand. Much, much grander than you could possibly even believe. If you have the hand of Jesus when you need it the most, 
even death itself is just a good night's sleep. Honey, rise and shine. Even death itself can only make you better if Jesus has your hand. That's what his power is all about. So much greater than my power. Why would you hurry somebody like this? Why would you want to hurry somebody this powerful and this loving that treats you and I so tenderly and so graciously? Why would you want to hurry Jesus? 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, Although he was crucified in weakness. See, at the cross, Jesus was weak. He wasn't strong. Although he was crucified in weakness, he now lives by the power of God. And we too are weak. He knows that. Just as Christ was. But when we deal, uh, but when we deal with you, we will be alive with him and will have God's power. Jesus became weak so that you and I could become strong. At the cross, Jesus let go of our Heavenly Father's hand. And he put your hand in our Heavenly Father's hand. Through his life, his death, and his resurrection. He went into the tomb so that you and I one day could be raised out of it. He was crucified outside the camp and became unclean so our uncleanliness could be dealt with and that we could be clean and we could be whole. He lost the Father's hands so that we could know our Heavenly Father and that we could know no matter how hard it is and how difficult it seems, He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. Jesus knew the, the way to the crown was through the cross. The only way to resurrection is through death. The only way to power is through weakness. The delays of Jesus teach us that. Not only does he teach us, only through our weaknesses will we develop the humility and the grace and the wisdom, and only through the delays will you and I become the people that God wants you and I to be. Last thought, and then we'll pray. If Jairus was here this morning, and, and, and as soon as, as Jesus left the house, and Jesus began to move on to the next place where God was sending him. If we rushed into the house and interviewed Jairus and said, Jairus, tell us what you just learned. You know what I think he would say? Let's go ahead and put it up. Waiting is never wasted. Waiting is never wasted. Why? Because God is working while we wait. We may not see it. We may not feel it. We may not be able to comprehend it. But you're not wasting time. While we wait, it's never wasted. God is working while you and I wait. 
I'm going to ask, would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much. So many of us, Lord, are in a waiting time, a waiting period, a waiting season right now. And Father, we're, we're getting impatient. <laughs> just like Jairus was probably very, very impatient that day. God, we just pray right now that you'd help us to still our restless hearts. And Father, that we would be resigned to waiting for your perfect timing. Knowing that you care about us so much more than we can possibly comprehend. And when the right time comes, your perfect timing, that you in essence holding our hand will say, honey, I'm here. Rise and shine. Look at all that I've prepared for you for this moment. God, forgive us for underestimating your love, your compassion for us, your children. And God, I pray that you would help us to see it clearer today than we've ever seen it before. In Jesus' name, amen.